Welcome to Kashrus on the Air, your weekly radio show dealing with kosher issues for the kosher consumer. And I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashrus Magazine. I think we have a very interesting show tonight. I hope you'll be uh, impressed by some of the things we're discussing. And I hope you'll participate, because the phones were going to be open a little later. If you scribble down the number now, be ready when, you, when I say the call. 718-683-5858. Don't call now, but 718-683-5858. And through the radio show, we're taking texting at 347-927-8398. Okay. Uh, the topics tonight include three things. One is the problems with lettuce and uh, different types of lettuce. And especially right now, this, uh, this seems to be a little bit of an epidemic in the issue of lettuce. And the second topic is about the Shabbos, the special Shabbos. This, this week is uh, the Shabbos project, and many people are participating. Uh, I, I'm trying for second year, so far not successfully, uh, but, but we're, uh, we try to participate in, uh, throughout the year. But the Shabbos project, and if you're participating, you're having guests for, for Shabbos, or anytime you have guests, we're going to be discussing that topic, and I do want to have your input. And the third topic is not to mention yet, because if we don't have time, we won't have time. We'll have to do a different show. But we definitely have another third topic, which is very interesting. And I'm sure you'll be uh, pleasantly surprised or surprised for sure when we get to that segment, if we do. Uh, The first segment is dealing with the issue of lettuce. And I think this is a very interesting phenomenon. And I'd like to share with you in its fullness Back a, a number of months ago, we became aware there was a significant problem with lettuce. But really, my interest in lettuce goes way, way, way back. And I'm going to try to explain to you that uh, how we're supposed to deal with the issue of insects in the different foods, especially in lettuce. Now, the halacha says that if there are a significant amount of insects, what we call mir hamatsui, or if it's a lot of them, which is called where the majority of the product is going to have at least one bug in it. So then that's, uh, that's a chi of minatoira to check. And if it's only sometimes occasionally, like about 10% of the time, maybe a little, even a little bit less, then it would be required to check midrabonin. So there's a question of how, you know, of the status, but the responsibility of checking is if there is a significant amount. And that significant amount is a very big topic. It's not for tonight. We've discussed it before, but I'm not going to go into it now. And let us say simply that some people are very careful, even if it's not that they're finding 10%, but if they're finding continually finding, that every time they are doing the checking, they're finding. That's also a level of concern. So how you determine what level it is is not for our show tonight. But we all know this issue of checking for vegetables. And my Rebbe Zatzal was very makpid. I don't say I could uh, I follow it to the same way he did it, which is a very, very uh, strong position, which also Rabbi Blumenkrantz, Rabbi Asher Zimmen held that position, and also Rabbi Avram Blumenkrantz held that position, and some of a lot of other people too, that you've got to do the checking and you can't rely on any other chazaka method. Now, but the cashless agencies, every single one of them that I know, relies on a chazaka check. 
The question is, what does that Chazaka check involve? Obviously, it involves a sampling. So now the question is, what's the amount of the sampling? And then there's a question of, is this a, a valid program? Does it work? You know, sometimes it doesn't seem to work. I mean, sometimes you'll see that, uh, that some people say we're finding and the other ones say we don't find. So it's not necessarily, uh, uh, you know, a, 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 a promised thing that the, the spot checking is going to be enough. In some cases, I know that the checking is like one out of a thousand. Uh, I'm not sure what everybody else does. I'm not sure what the, what, what the Machmirim do and the Mekilim. But it's not really checking. Your, your letters that you get in a bag, I can guarantee you, was never checked by human hands. Nobody ever human touched it, maybe in the process of, of picking it off the, or if out of the ground. But as far as uh, processing it, it's all machines. Nothing ever touched it. And people only touch a certain small sampling, and that sampling is usually discarded. Because it's, if you do it right, you've made it almost inedible because you, you soaked it too much, you did this too much, you're too rough with it. It's un- highly unlikely that that, that uh, salad could be, that, you know, that lettuce could be used again. So uh, the, basically, you're relying on what we call Chazaka method. So this, the question is, does Chazaka method work? So for many, 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 many years, based upon information that I was given, and I told this on the radio one time before, that based on information that I was given by somebody who worked at the OU, he had done research across the country, and he had maintained that research for a year. And he said that based upon that, uh, the iceberg lettuce really did not need to be checked. That was his outcome from that work. Subsequently, uh, a friend of mine on the Shabbos told me that... uh, He's having great to- difficulty in finding um, finding lettuce that they could put out with the OU's name because he was working for the OU in a, for a certain plant, and uh, he was in charge of it. He's the RC, and the uh, and he, and his information that he was getting from the people was that we can't. There's too many insects, and we couldn't put it out for several weeks. He said, "I think it was about three weeks." They weren't able to get any. Uh, iceberg lettuce to put out in the market under that brand name. So I went back to my friend who I first told me about this thing with the chazaka in the, on the iceberg lettuce, and he said to me, uh, it's true. There's been a recent problem for a few months. Now this story that I'm telling you about finding out that the, there was a, a, an increase in infestation in the iceberg lettuce happened about three years ago. This year... In the spring, the CRC put out a directive, and I'm going to read part of that. It's dated July 8th, but I believe it was even earlier than I got it, and it says, Revised Iceberg Lettuce Policy. The general CRC, that's the Chicago Rabbinical Council, the general CRC positions that pre-washed bagged iceberg lettuce is acceptable from any source. So again, not just to use iceberg lettuce with no washing, but any washing, any company, even without hashkocha, even if it's not certified as kosher, that is the basic CRC policy, the Chicago Rabbinical Council policy. This is because the method of a commercially cleaning leafy lettuces is sufficient to remove the insects typically found in iceberg lettuce. However, in recent weeks, lettuce coming from specific regions of California have been more heavily infested than usual. And it has been brought to our attention that the cleaning methods in use 
have not always been successful in removing all insects from the lettuce. Accordingly, some Hechsherim have temporarily removed certification from a number of brands of iceberg lettuce, and he mentions a specific name, I'm not going to mention to you. We have not been able to... Okay, basically, that's what his point is, and therefore, uh, it, he says, while it is always preferred to purchase lettuce and similar items with Ashkocha, we consider it acceptable for people in the Chicagoland area to continuing purchasing pre-washed iceberg lettuce, even if it's not certified. As an extra measure of caution... We recommend that who, those who purchase the non-certified lettuce should visually inspect a few small handfuls of lettuce from each bag before eating the rest of the contents of the bag. So this assumes that the people who I'm listening to, who are listening, reading this uh, announcement from the CRC, know how to check lettuce. Who taught them? Most people that I know were never taught anything about insects. They never were shown anything, and they were said, here, take this, check it, hold it to the light. And most of the people say, I never find anything wrong. We had a show, I don't know if it was like two years ago, but it definitely was more than a year ago. A woman called in, and she said that her husband, maybe it's a little more than a year ago, a woman called in, and she says that her husband is a mashkiach, and that she checks he checks very slowly, and she checks a little faster, and uh, whatever. And she says she never sees anything. Never sees anything. So I, you know, at the radio show, I can't really talk to people as if I'm on the phone with them. So I said, did, did anybody ever train you? Did somebody teach you? And she said, no. So even her husband didn't sit down for two or three hours and show how what he does and how he checks it and see if she can do it and that she should feel sufficiently uh, capable. Instead, she said, I never saw an insect in a lettuce. So then, is that checking? If you don't know what you're looking for, is that checking? Personally, I would say not. I would say as a bare minimum, as a bare minimum, a person should be trained for a few hours and it's very, very simple. I know we've Try to set up programs. I can't, I can't follow up with that. It's very, very hard for us where we're sitting to be able to set up programs for you people. But this, you can do it yourself. And I've said it many times, and maybe I didn't say it enough, but I'll, I'll say it again. You could go to any store where they have a mashkiach, a decent store with a decent mashkiach and a mashkiach there. And I, I give you an example. A lot of the, uh, a lot of the food stores, the big ones, the big supermarkets today. They're putting out uh, the pack. They're putting out fruits and vegetables and, and making special arrangements. And they have mashkichim. And these people have been trained by David Goldstein and by other people who uh, who know their business. And I'm not saying every store is the right place to go, but if you have a store and you rely on the hashkacha and 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 you feel that uh, you met the mashkich, he looks intelligent and it's credible, and he shows you how to look and he shows you how to find, beautiful. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to give you an hour. If he gave you five minutes and then you did some work yourself and came back and said, "Is this a bug? Is that a bug? What's the story here?" And also, you should get a loop. I know everybody says you don't shouldn't need the loop to see it. You don't need a loop to see it. But you do need a loop, which is a magnifying glass. We sell them from Kashmir's Magazine. If you want to get them, call us at 736-718-336-8544. I have a few left right now. We order them every so often. We order a dozen of them. It's uh, 
718-336-8544. I think we charge you $20 for it. And if you buy two or more, it's $15. I just had somebody buy three of them. You know, and he's in he's in Hashgacha. So obviously he's satisfied with the quality of these. And uh, y- you take a look with the loop because the loop helps you be sure that it's a bug. Again, if you don't know what you're looking for, then you certainly can't be sure that you're spotting them. So once you get used to it, you, you, you don't need to rely on the loop so much. But still in all, you don't want to waste your product. So you lose the loop. And then if it's not a bug, then you, keep, uh, you, you can eat it. If it is a bug, you take it off. Very simple. You don't need to cut it off. Just take it off. It's not going to hurt you, and it's a, a very tiny, and uh, it's not, I don't think anybody's scared by taking them off. If you are, so you cut it with a little knife and finished, or you throw the piece away, whatever you put inside. But uh, you should be able to spot them if you're trained. But if you're not trained, very hard to spot them because they, they don't look like bugs. They really don't. It's not, you know, until you know that, oh, that's a bug. Oh, until you see them and know that they're bugs, then you're not, you're not going to find them. And even if you find one or two, you're not going to find the small ones. You're definitely not going to find them. Very, very hard unless you've, you've been trained how to spot them. Also, you must be trained how to use the, on a light box or else if you're holding it up to the, uh, the fluorescent light, it has to be close enough to, to be able effective or outside light has to be done properly to be effective. So you, these are things that you really have to be shown and not just make it up yourself. So if a person does know how to check, so then they could check. But otherwise, what the, the Chicago Rabbinical Council is telling people to check, the question is, do they know how to check? And then he tells tell you a few small handfuls of lettuce from each bag. Well, excuse me, the bags in general are not that many handfuls as far as I know. So I don't know what percentage he wants you to check. He doesn't tell you the amount. And other, another point you have, to, you have to understand is that he thought this was going to be a short haul because at the time when he said that, they said this, uh, we came to them and said, can we put this into our magazine? And they told us, don't do it because it's going to be over within a few weeks. It's not going to be pertinent information. And as we've seen, and I'm going to point out to you now, it is pertinent, it is still going on, and it's very important for us to understand its implications. So let me just tell you what we wrote in our Kashrus Monthly, because aside from a magazine, we put out every month, we call Kashrus Monthly. It's a one-page sheet with about 20, 25 items that are pertinent and important for people to know. So here's what we put out in July of 2015, and I mentioned that date, for you to realize the, the flow of information here that uh, we had this thing that came supposedly July 8th. I think it was a little earlier. And in July, we also put out this in our monthly. And then later on, we wanted to put it into the magazine that came out in September, but they discouraged us from doing it. Here's what we wrote. Iceberg lettuce alert. In recent weeks, lettuce coming from specific regions of California have been heavily invest- infested, uh, more heavily infested than usual, and it has been brought to our attention that the cleaning methods in use have not always been successful. Some echsherim have been temporarily removed from a number of brands of iceberg lettuce. Kashrus, that's us, Kashrus Magazine, advises either to purchase only iceberg lettuce which bears a very strict kosher certification or to wash and inspect iceberg lettuce, fresh or baked. Be sure to get training first 
so that you can properly identify an insect when you see it. So that's what we said. Now, this past week, many of you got in your newspapers free from Kashmir's Currents. They come out, uh, I think, four times a year. Exactly, not sure, but I think it's four times a year. This one is called Fall two, uh, 2015. And a beautiful piece, you know, it's, a, uh, it's an eight-page eight uh, glossy, huge, I think, a, a, whatever size, eight by 11, very nice, uh, not I'm sorry, eight by 14 or something, large, a large paper, a large little booklet from the Star K called Kashrus Currents. And I'm going to read to you a few selections which I think are very pertinent. And what's interesting is that even though the CRC thought it was going to be over with, as we'll see here, the people in the Kashrus agencies weren't aware of how bad the situation is. And I think it's so important for us because I'm afraid that before this show tonight, many of the people did not know what I'm talking about, even though this was free, maybe 100,000 copies put out by Kashrus Currents. But our listeners now, many of you are going to find this a chiddush. And if you happen to have the Kashrus Currents in the house, read it. It's a wonderful publication. It's been published as, as long as Kashrus Magazine has been published, and we share information back and forth. And Abed uh, Oz is a 60-page book, and this is an eight-page eight one. Okay. Here's what I want you to hear. How, this is not the whole thing. You can read it. It's called Just the Tip of the Iceberg. How Iceberg Grows. Iceberg lettuce initially grows open, just like romaine. They even have a picture. During the first few weeks of its development, before cupping, cupping means uh, it folds over and closes up. Once it cups, that's the when it goes over, all of the newer leaves grow inside the closed head. If the time period when it was open was, uh, I'm sorry, if the time period when it was open was subjected to high levels of insect pressure, insects could crawl inside the open head and become trapped once the head cups over. They use the word insect pressure. It's, you know, it's America. So nobody wants to say infestation. They don't want to use a, a, anything with a negative connotation. So the, the professional term is insect, uh, is insect pressure. Insect pressure means too many bugs <laughs> per square inch. That's what insect pressure means. It's a, it's a word he's going to use it again and again. It's a very nice article. Everybody Tendler wrote it, Rabbi Shalom Tendler. But that's the way they discuss it. Uh, I think it's cute. Insect pressure. They can live quite comfortably inside the enclosed space as they're well-fed with lettuce and well-protected from any applications of insecticides, which means nothing we could do can stop them once they're inside. During this time, they can reproduce very rapidly and therefore, it may not be unusual to find entire families of insects in a head, inside a head. Not just one bug, but large numbers inside there. It may, uh, even, if, even all the way to the core, which everybody used to say, oh, take the first two leaves off, three leaves off, you're safe. No way. If they got in early, then there's just going to be all over the place. It is for this reason that the entire head must be checked every time and not just the outer leaves. I hope everyone heard those words. I'm going to repeat them. 
It is for this. I'm reading right off the, the Star Case publication. It is for this reason that the entire head must be checked every time and not just the outer leaves. So we're going to see how can they not check everyone. We told you they do sample checking. But they're saying if you want to check in your house, you're buying a head of lettuce off the st- or in the store and you want to take home and check it, you can't take check the outer leaves. You have to check every single leaf. That's what the Star K says in this publication. Now we're going to go on and find out why the cashless agencies, including the Star K, rely on the washing. Insect pressure facts, which we'll translate as insect infestation, right? Most of the year, iceberg has less insect pressure than romaine, which means less bugs usually in the iceberg than the romaine or other leafy vegetables because it is a closed head. It's also typically less attractive to insects and to people because it's less green and has less nutrients than the other lettuce varieties. But when seasons change or there are unusual weather patterns, insect uh, pressures can increase. So that line is very important. I want you to stress it. But when seasons change or there are unusual weather patterns, insect pressures can increase, which means that we are always capable of having this problem. It isn't something that happened just in the spring of this year, towards the summer. It's not something that we mentioned once and it's over with. We, we have two facts that are extremely important. If we're checking lettuce, every leaf must be checked. That's the statement from the Star K. Number two, it's saying that things can change from season to season, year to year, weather patterns change. We cannot predict what will be in a week from now, in two weeks from now, and therefore we have to have a strong position on iceberg lettuce. There are two primary growing regions in the United States for the iceberg lettuce. During the winter, November to April, it's Yuma, Arizona. That's home to the uh, iceberg, most, most of the country's growing operations. The rest of the year, April to November, the Salinas, California region is the main growing area. This past winter, the Yuma region was subjected to above-average temperatures and humidity. This caused very high levels of insect pressure in all the crops. Even once uh, it's subsequently cooled down, the weather got cooler, those initial weeks of abnormally warm weather were precisely the time when much of the iceberg crop was in its preliminary growth stages, which means it affected it before the cupping and you killed them away. So therefore, bad timing, unfortunately, sorry, this year the whole crop was a problem. And then he adds on, I'm skipping a lot of stuff, but the insect pressure in California has also remained elevated. Initially, they thought when the, uh, they they thought that they were going to get away with it uh, because they thought they were going to have, you know, only a problem uh, for the part of time of year when Yuma, Arizona was the region from November to April means of last year, which means it was really happening I mean, it seems anyway, it seems it was, it was happening for a long time, according to this. 
according to this write-up here, this has been going on for about a year. Of course, wasn't necessarily something that we knew about. Now he's going to discuss washing, which I think is very interesting. Triple washed, really? As noted above, iceberg tends to be easier to wash effectively than romaine. It's typically less infested, and its leaves are smoother and firmer than romaine's. Therefore, it's harder for insects to cling to them. Okay, so it seems that washing is effective on iceberg. Now he goes on. In many plants, industrial washing systems operate constantly. The wash water is generally used again and again on the same processing lines. This means that you can have thousands of pounds of lettuce essentially being washed in the same water. The water is recycled. It's used again and again and again. That's what we're hearing here. If the lettuce has high value val, um, levels I'm sorry, of insect infestation, the sheer volume being processed increases the possibility that insects washed off the leaves will build up a presence in the water and either reattach themselves to the produce or simply end up in the bagged finished product. In other words, one way or the other, if there's a lot of insects, you're going to have them in, the, in your bag. You're going to have them lying in the bag because they were swept up on top of the leaf or because they are embedded now in the leaf. In other words, the process of washing an infested thing, even though you're triple washing it, doesn't work. The methods that are being used do not work for high insect infestation. That's what this paragraph is saying. Next, the exclusive or combined use of any of these can permit a product to be called triple washed. In other words, if you can, you can go a long time, like three times through the cycles in the same kind of uh, type of washing or switch from one to the other, it's going to be called triple washed. Yet in terms of insect removal, some of these systems can hardly be considered significant or effective. <laughs> Therefore, the fact that lettuce is claimed to be triple-washed is not necessarily an indication of adequate cleansing from insects unless it is a proper hashkoch of verifying the kashras of that particular product, which means you can't get away from hashkoch mashkichim, observation, testing, checking, etc. You can't rely on a system. It doesn't work. It is... Um, if it is highly infested, however, it is unlikely to be certified without a rigorous set of filtration or flush systems in place in which the water either gets filtered properly or is flushed with enough fresh water on a constant basis to avoid insect buildup. So in other words, we could institute filtering. We could put new water in, but that is the association of the cautious agency with the company. So buying bagged lettuce that's, you know, triple washed doesn't cut it, especially today and especially with the iceberg situation we just mentioned. So you need trained mashkichim to watch the procedure. I'll end off with one more paragraph. They said, we hope these seasonal weather ch issues will end soon, allowing more iceberg lettuce to pass inspections. Consumers are urged to always check bags of pre-washed lettuce 
for reliable kosher symbols that ensure the produce is properly certified and that no further checking is required. So in other words, it's the responsibility of the Ashkoch on the packaging, but we as consumers have to be very, very vigilant. I know I spent a half an hour on the celery thing, but I think it's very valuable, and I don't think you understood it completely before, and I hope it's all gotten in now. I'm going to ask anybody who wants to call up on anything with the with the, uh, with the uh, celery, you can call, uh, I'm sorry, with the lettuce you can call, but I'm not going to spend too much on time on that now. I'd like to go to our second topic, and that I see that some people did, uh, I see a few people did send something in. Uh, somebody says, can you be sure that greenhouse-grown lettuce or any other vegetable is always free from insects? And the answer is no. The only way you can be sure uh, ever is like my Rebbe said or uh, 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 Blumenkran said, you have to check it. And according to the Star K, you have to check every leaf. That seems to be the, uh, the facts. Uh, if you want to know about greenhouse, greenhouse has, uh, you know, it sounds good, but it's a question of how clean those greenhouses are because there's a lot of work to do to keep insects out of the greenhouse. And they're not growing in the ground this regular way. They're, they are closed-off areas, but from the, from the shoes, from the clothes, from the doors, from the open areas, from the keeping it open, from, uh, from the way it's, uh, the, the, the doors close, it, there's a lot of stuff that happens, and there's constant vigilance, and anyone who tells you that there are no insects there is not telling you the truth. Positive told us clearly there are insects that get into their produce, no question about it. They, they have it down, I think, to a science of how of 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 how they're keeping them out and how 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 much they're washing them and how much they're checking them, but nobody has a right to say a greenhouse variety, a greenhouse uh, vegetables are free of insects. Anyone in this business will admit you cannot make a claim that vegetables are free of insects, but you can say that we have done enough or we know enough to say you're not eating. That uh, you, you don't have the halachic problem because it's less than miut hamatsui. That it'll be sometimes found in the vegetables? Absolutely. Every single person would admit it, and there's no one who denies it at all. And that's a very important topic to understand. So if that's true, then how do I trust anybody? Well, that gets to the question, am I going to rely on myself or am I going to rely on the, on the system? But to rely on the machine... Chazak al machine, that's crazy, and that's what the star case have put to rest. Forget about it. You cannot rely on the machine. You can rely on responsible, cautious agencies working with a machine, but you can't rely on a machine, even if they say triple washed, even if they say all kinds of fancy claims, it doesn't, it isn't real. That's, that's, what we, that's the result of this article. Anybody has any problem with it, you can call the Star K. You didn't get it, probably even on their website. But if you have any question or you want to get a hold of this article, contact the, the Star K. Their number is 401-484-4110. Another question was, uh, type, uh, was uh, texted in. Mentions a certain brand, which I won't mention. He says, how is the certain brand of iceberg lettuce different from the ones with the star K Heksher and the ones with the yellow sticker with the, okay. So what happens is like this, a company makes, he'll, he'll, I can mention the name, Dole. There happened to, this is the reality. I'm not going to 
malign anybody. I'm not going to go into any issues. But here's the story. There's a company called Dole, one of the biggest companies, Dole making lettuce. And uh, yes, Dole will appear in one of three ways. It'll appear with no hashkocha on it. It'll appear with a star K. And it can appear what they call the Breuer's and Rabbi Eckstein's hashkocha. No, it's not Rabbi Eckstein. It's Breuer's, and I believe the other one is Rabbi Gruber. But whatever it is, the Breuer's and Rabbi Gruber's hashkocha which is, that's two different hashgachas, or the star K, or nothing. So what happens is like this. The uh, Dole produces their product, sells it all over the country, and the star K monitors it, and if they say that it's not clean enough, they won't put the star K name on. The star K name is in the, um, the, the date, the code, the, the date code, where it says until this time you can use it, and it says star K there. And if you don't see it, that means a star K doesn't certify it. Then the Breuer's sticker, and Rabbi Gruber, who put a, a sticker on a certain company that's called, uh, slipped my mind right now, but there's a company that buys dough and then gives it over to, the, to these hashgachas to check. And if they're satisfied with the product, then they'll put it out with their sticker on. So they don't rely on the mass production of, of Dole that Star K does some supervision of, but they want to certif- They want to examine a certain percent of what that company buys from Dole. So a company will buy, say, 1,000 bags, and they'll check a certain number of bags. How many bags, I don't know, but they're just checking bags. They're not going to check one from each bag. <laughs> they're not going to reseal your bag. Your bags are not checked. The ones that are checked are thrown in the garbage. So if they don't find any bugs, they'll put the whole lot out with their sticker on. If they do find some bugs and they're concerned, they won't take the lot or they'll put another sticker on it. There seems to be another rabbi who's a little more uh, also on that company. Uh, sometimes it's on that company if you don't see the uh, Breuer's and the uh, and, and Rabbi Gruber's Hashkocha. So that explains that. I think it's important to know. But if you understood me, fine. If not... You can ask Star K or Breuer's exactly what all that's about. I'm going to take just a moment to talk about our sponsor, but I really want to go on to step two. I don't think I'll get to step three today. The step, uh, the, I'd like to talk a little bit about Glatmart because Glatmart is uh, a very special, it has a special place, a very special place in our heart. They've been with us since we began the show, and they've been with us basically since we began the Cassius Magazine as an advertiser. Glatmart is conveniently located at 1205 Avenue M. When you think of Glatmart, think of price, service, convenience, and quality. Whether you shop for a few items or for a full wagon load, you can save plenty of money by shopping at Glatmart. And at Glatmart, you can save a lot of time by using their valet parking service. Just pull into Glatmart from the East 12th Street entrance. They'll park the car for you and have it ready to load up with all those special items you purchased in the store. And some of the items that are on sale right now and tomorrow, they have Marvid chickens, two ninety nine a pound. They have a family pack rib steak, thirteen ninety nine a pound. Shoulder London broil, eight ninety nine a pound. And uh, in, you have in the, in the grocery area, they have uh, Cheerios, twelve ounces, two ninety nine. They have Lieber's animal crackers, one sixty nine. Beigel's Marble Cake, three forty nine, dollars And uh, they have a special on the carrots, 
one pound, 49 cents. And in frozen area, Mendelssohn ate sliced pizza, six ninety nine. dollars under seven bucks. Six ninety nine for the eight slice Mendelssohn's pizza, famous Mendelssohn's pizza. And Golden Flow spinach, which is 32 ounces, $4.39. And the Norman's 80 calorie light yogurt, six ounce, 79 cents. Olam cheese, three pounds, $12.99. And a Glatmart, uh, the quality of meats is A1. With kosher cert- certification from both the Star K and the Vatakashos of Flatbush, with base Yosef meats and with expert Nikor, at Glatmart, you're getting quality kashvas. Glatmart is a 1205 Avenue M, meaning your shopping needs is their top priority. If you meet Dove in Glatmart, tell them you heard about Glatmart on Kashvas on the Air over J-Root Radio. And now we're going to discuss a, uh, an interesting topic, which is Shabbos. Whether you're inviting somebody this particular Shabbos or not, and I tell you what I did, um, I, I'm a member of the Shabbat.com, and we've used that website effectively a number of times. I can't say always happy with every guest, but that's my problem. I have to, I have to be whatever Shem sends my way. But some of these people who've come to us have been absolutely fantastic. It's, it's simple. Just go to Shabbat.com, the two Bs, S-H-A-B-B-A-T.com. You sign up. You can have guests. You can go away yourself and stay in people's houses or eat, eat meals in places where you're going, any place in the country, even in the world. And it's a, it's a great Kiruv tool. And it's a great uh, opportunity for people when they're traveling. And also, they do Shaduchim on the, on the website, etc. Anyway, Shabbat.com, I signed up. I invited 15 people this Shabbos. I don't know. I hope my wife's not going to be upset. But I don't think I'm going to get 15 people. The people that we invited are all non-Orthodox. Is Makpid only people who are not Orthodox. And they have to live within a, they have to be close enough to walk. They have to live, a, let's say, half a mile to the house, which is not too far. That's just like, you know, uh, you know it's just a, in a few blocks. But I, I, we, don't want, we don't want to invite anybody that it was from because this is a special Shabbos. It's called the Shabbos for the Shabbos Project. Beautiful idea put into effect by the chief rabbi of South Africa a few years ago. It took on over the whole world. He spread it out. No one has ever done anything as effective as this. But I must tell you that Brooklyn is not the place. Yes, there are a few communities that are doing it in Brooklyn. But in general, Brooklyn is not the place because most of the people here in our neighborhoods are from. And the ones who are not from are not connected to us. You don't meet them. A lot of people living in apartment houses, you never see a lot of people who, who, who you just don't even pass in the streets. You don't know that they're Jewish. So we're not, it's not like a society where, where everybody's meeting in the same places. And, and, and even if we're not, even if they're not from you to get to talk to them, it doesn't happen so much here. But yes, there are people who are not religious that you could go out and invite yourself. A shortcut is to go to one of the organizations. I have tried unsuccessfully two years in a row to use the organization's to get me a people for this Shabbos. I don't understand what the problem is, and I volunteered to teach the, the laws of Shabbos and the programs that they have teaching it, for them a booklet, a Shabbos booklet, two years in a row, and I have not been chosen. They said not enough people responding, not enough people in our neighborhoods becoming, who want to become from. But I can tell you 
that there are people, and I mean, I'm, as I say, I'm inviting them, and I've had such people in my house. I went to the website, and I took conservative. I really should have maybe got a chosen reform. I wanted to choose conservative. And you just, I just, all, all people I invite are conservative. If you wanted to invite reform, you can invite reform. If you want to unaffiliate, you can invite unaffiliated. Whatever you want to invite, you can invite at anybody in any neighborhood. Anyway, so here's Shabbos. We're now in the Shabbos. So the person comes into the Shabbos, and he's not religious. So first of all, you should understand something. This might be the only time that person ever sees Shabbos. And you never know when they're going to get turned on. And it certainly would be nice if it was in your house. Baruch Hashem, many people, we have been zeichet to help along the way. Not necessarily from completely, but we've helped them along the way. And it's a wonderful experience. It's good for the family. Of course, it has to be under control. You don't want to expose your kids to this and that and the other thing. Okay. So that, that can be all worked out. You want some advice, I'll tell you off the air how to handle that stuff. But, but basically, if you haven't overloaded, if you have one person coming once in a while and, and you make sure that they don't say anything out of, uh, out of the ordinary that the children shouldn't hear, you just tell them, you know, these kids go to yeshiva, certain things we don't mention at the table, you know, whatever it is, they, hopefully they have enough seichel and you wouldn't have any problems and that, that wouldn't be an issue. So now we're talking about the person themselves. If this person is really raw, and they don't really know very much about Yiddishkeit, everything should be utilized. It's how you greet them, the simple you show them, the happiness, the friendship, the, the interest in them. As a good advice, and I, I, I wish I could take it myself, is not to push them to talk about anything about themselves unless they want to talk about themselves. Because if you start asking him, and where did you come from, and where did you die, and what do you do, and what about this, and do you do that? Do you... Once you're pushing into their lives, it might get very interesting discussion, and it might do wonders, but it also could expose the people at the table to a lot of things they shouldn't have, and also it might pull out the worst of these people. Really, they're there to see us. They're not there to, for psychoanalysis. They're not there for therapy. So we, we really should offer them the simcha and the oinek of Shabbos. We should show them the beauty of Shabbos. And here's what we can do. First of all, somebody comes in, hello, this and that, fine. Don't expect anything. They may have never, ever seen a Shabbos table. That means everything from the, 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 the candles burning to the Kiddush, to the Lecha Mishnah, to the way you cut the challah, the covering the challah, every little aspect could be explained. It could be given over nicely. You can even trick them a little bit and talk to your children, to your children, you children, do you know why this is the so? And then maybe the kids will answer, maybe they won't answer, and you can answer, you can tell them. Meanwhile, the people who are there visiting you are going to listen. So there's a way to get across about the basics of shops, and it's very important for them to have the idea. It shouldn't just be a a, a rigmarole. It's not, it shouldn't just be ritual. It should be something that has meaning. But more important than anything, talk about what it means for us to have a Shabbos meal. Why are we all sitting here in our fancy clothes? We all took showers and we're all sitting at the table. Normally during the week, everybody's running around. Why are we doing this? And you'll explain to them, Hashem made the world. He stopped on Shabbos he wanted to teach the Jewish people. He gave it to us as a special matona, a special gift to us. He, he gave us 
an understanding that no nation in the world has. He gave us a total, total understanding of something so holy that, and no one else has been exposed to it. They get the feeling that they're on the inside now. They're sitting in your house. They're on the inside. They're part of us. That's very, very important. You have to give them that feeling, and you have to give them the feeling that it's a very special day. You'll be surprised. If you never sing Zemiros, sing them then, because they let them hear Zemiros. If the kids, if you don't bother the kids to say their Torah, fine. Kid had a project during the week. If you want to take out the sheets, do one or two questions. It doesn't have to be directed to these guests. Let them see that that's how a Jewish family does it. If you want to tell your kid off, save it for another time. Let them see that there's a lot of shalom bias, the, the husband or wife, the kids. Don't, save some of the musr for a different, a different meal. But when, the, when these people are there at the table, get, realize you have to gear some things to them. They have to walk away with a special, uh, a special understanding of what Shabbos is, how Shabbos is different. And pause and say out loud, L'chavad Shabbos Kodesh, for the sake of the Holy Shabbos. Say those words, say it in Hebrew, say it, and, and say it in English. If you don't say it in English, they don't know what it means. Explain it. Stop a second. Talk about how wonderful Hashem giving us the food. A little bit of Rav Miller's material, it's not, he didn't make it up. It's all in Chobos HaLavavos, in Shar HaBechina, if you never saw it. You must buy the Sefer, Duties of the Heart, and read chapter, the second section, which is talking about all the wonders of the world that we experience on a daily basis. It's the most amazing Sefer I've ever seen. Chobos HaLavavos, Duties of the Heart, the section called Shara Bechina, which is the second section of the book. And uh, it's good to see it. Something you can share with your children. Believe me, it's endless what they talk about in there. Everyone, every little bit, every Shabbos will be fantastic. People begin to appreciate what Hashem is doing for us. There's a little bit of an understanding. And if you have anything that you want to talk about on that topic, uh, the, uh, the phones are available. I'm here now, 718 683 5858. Again, 718-683-5858. Talk about the Shabbos project. Talk about guests. Talk about celery. I'm sorry, uh, lettuce. Talk about anything you'd like. You can call us up now. 718-683-5858. Until I get a call, I want to share with you the third part, which I don't really think we're going to get through tonight. I have a difficulty. I have it every year at this time of the year. It's one of the hardest things I do, and it's one of the best things that I do. I love it, and I hate it at the same time. I have to decide a, a winner for the Mashkir of the Year Award contest. That Mashkir of the Year Award is our Mashkir of the Year Award. We give out an award. Kashvis Magazine, for the past five years, has given out an award of $1,000 to one Mashkir somewhere across the, the, the world, but not necessarily this country, who has shown out, and the difficulty that I have is choosing between these people. I come in contact with the best people in the industry. I love them. And the stories that I hear and the enthusiasm that I see, I know that Kashrus is in very good hands. I don't know if every single mashkiach is as good, 
but the ones that I interview, who the cashless agencies recommended, are tops, tops, tops. It is definitely the hardest, and I'm going to share some stories with you. We hope we'll get the Mashkir of the Year on the, on the show time, but right now I'm going to have to take some callers, and let's hear the first caller. Go ahead. You're on cashless on the air. Can we help you? Yes, hi. I'd like to know, I use lettuce that only has a hashgacha. Is it not advisable then to just use the, the bag of lettuce, just lettuce that has just the star K? Is that not sufficient we don't for somebody answer that who question. is we more moxed, let's say? We don't answer that question on this show. We don't decide between different hashgachas. Uh-huh. So okay. That's something you'll have to ask a rabbi, your own rabbi, mm-hmm. or if there's an kashas agencies that you like very much, call them up and ask them those questions. Mm-hmm. Obviously, okay. I didn't say anything okay. negative about the star K. I read their their thing to you, but, it, but right, okay, but Just, okay. I cannot I tell you. I cannot tell you who is sufficient. Mm-hmm. In other words, okay. there could be it could be better, better, and better. But the point is, uh, who, what level you need, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay, thank you. Have a good day. You too. Another caller? No one. No go here. You, there's, room, there's room to call if you want. 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. We're talking about, okay. uh, you know, Shabbat projects, right? Yeah. So I, I know that uh, we already talked about it so long. You know, this is the talk of the weeks, of the two weeks now. That's right, right. now in the in J-Root Radio. And I want to mention also the Farshat Chala. They have also Farshat Chala from... Right. Uh, uh, the MAM organization, it will be in the Sephardi community and Avenue S. It will be the 22nd of uh, October, 11.30, with all the chefs and... Uh, you know, 11.30 the, in the day, in the morning? In the morning, yeah. Okay. okay. Very nice. Yeah, Excellent. Very nice. Okay. Yeah, we have more callers, but let me just tell you one quick thing that I want to share with you that I heard from one of the mashkichim that I interviewed yesterday. This, this rabbi told me the following story, which is extremely important for all of us to listen to. I never heard of such a thing in my life, but this is what he told me. He said that he was in charge of an affair, and the affair was in a, a famous hotel in Manhattan. I'm not sure, but I think it was the Pierre. It doesn't make much difference. And it was not a, a whole meal, but it was hors d'oeuvres and wines and things like that. And they had a, a, a high-level hashkocha, and a high level, um, uh, you know, very fancy caterer. It was a high end uh, program. And he walks in, and things were certain things were in order, and they came with, the, with all the food, which they'd already done in the, I think, in the commissary. And he comes in, and he sees that the wines that they set aside are French wines, very fancy, but all trafe. So he said, uh, we have to do something about the wines, because obviously, these wines we can't use. Now, so he went and he wanted to speak to the person in charge of the wines because every hotel controls the wines that are served. They buy them, they open the bottles, they control the whole thing, and they get paid a lot of money for that. It's a big part of their income is controlling the wine and liquor. No, uh, all these fancy hotels in Manhattan, no uh, caterer can bring its own wine or liquor. They must use the hotels. And the hotel does buy kosher wines, too. They have plenty of Kedem stuff. They have all kinds of varieties over there. And they'll make special orders. And if they need to, they'll run to a distributor late in the game and get some for the affair. So it can always be done. But he comes and he says that this has to be kosher. And they say to him, fine. 
and they showed him some wines, and he took high-end kosher wines. Mavushal, high-end kosher mavushal wines. Good hashkachas. And they're getting ready for the affair, and then the person in charge, the host, walks in, and he says, go home. Leave. You're, you're finished. What do you mean I'm finished? You did your job. You koshered the area. You, you brought all the hors d'oeuvres. They're all got kosher. Now you can leave. Because I'm going to serve the French wines. <laughs> you're, what? you're going to serve the non-kosher wines with the black kosher? Yes, that's all I'm going to do. Because that might have people coming here who have to taste those kinds of wines. We can't have this kosher stuff. It's not fancy enough. In fact, a couple of our waiters are Israelis, and then they said this stuff is not on the same level. And you can't have that, and therefore you got to go. And he said, but I'm going to take all the kitchen staff. Take them all. I'll get the hotel staff. And, he, and sure enough, he kicked out the Ashkocha. He kicked out the, the whole thing, and they had to go home. And it was like drop-off party. They took all their utensils, left it in the, aluminum, the food in aluminum foil, and walked out. And before they left, they took the sign down. Because this is what you have to know. If you go to an affair and there's no sign that it is under Hashgacha, it probably isn't. There's a posting of the sign. It's a requirement in New Jersey and in New York. If there's no posting of that sign, who the Hashgacha is, etc., and what the details of that Hashgacha are, then it's not on the Hashgacha. So he picked up the sign and he left. So hopefully the people who went to that affair, who heard that it was kosher and glad kosher, and on this Hashgacha, would not see the sign and would not eat. That's what we have to know. Amazing story. Okay, we have another call. Go ahead. You're on Kasha on the air. Can we help you? You're on the air. Yeah, I. Um, you mentioned before about about how different com- uh, letters companies how they they reuse the words that when uh, they're rinsing it and then they check it. Well, one second, one second, one second. They reuse the waters, right? And then they check a, a sampling at the end to see that they they're relatively free, right? Yeah. So, I, I, so I, I know that the, the company Positive, how, how, how do they do it? They, they, they're also reusing the waters? I don't know. That's an interesting question. I never asked them. You could, you, you could, you could uh, that's something I'll have to try and to find out in the future. If you keep listening to the show, I'll probably be able to tell you. That's a very interesting question. Um, my guess is that they're using a filter, filtration system because that's the, the most normal thing to do. Um, they control their own, they have their own system. Most of these companies are Goyesha companies, and let's say Dole is a Goyesha company. And there are some companies, let's say, um, I, don't know, I, like to give, I don't want to give more names, but there are some companies that, that go to Goyesha companies, and then they put their name on the packaging. So they don't really own anything. But Positive owns the whole thing. They own the growing, and they own the, pa- the washing and the packing. So they do control it. Did they put in filters, and, and, and how do they know about this? I don't know. A yeah, good question. Thank you very uh, much for so, the call. So besides for the rinsing, but, what? but do, they, do they also have the machine? The, the machine and they are also checking besides for the rinsing. Let, let me explain to you. I, I saw Positive twice. It's in Allentown, Pennsylvania. I was there twice. The, the checking that they do 
is a certain sample, like just like everybody else, but they have two or three things going for them. One is that Rabbi Vaya, who is the biggest maven in the world on, on insect infestation in the from world, he does he decides how much to take. It's not like the company. This he decides how much you take. Number two is that they have a zero tolerance level, which means that they waste a lot of product because they're, they're shooting for a zero tolerance. Zero tolerance means there shouldn't be any bugs left. But they're not checking your lettuce. So they mean from their samples, they expect to have a zero. If they find even one bug, they have to um, wash that whole bin again. And if they didn't, and if they have find a bug a second time, two bugs or whatever it is, then they will not use that bin. And they can do it, they can use other bins, but that bin will be rejected. So they're they're very it, it, they the people call them mishugafrum. Is it necessary? I don't know. Is it perfect? I can guarantee you that there are insects even in the positive product because they tell me that and everybody in the world knows that you can't have lettuce and these kind of vegetables that don't have occasionally in some leaf uh, an insect. Should we then not eat any of these? No, absolutely not. You don't say that because it could be in an apple and a pear and this. We, we could not eat food. There are a certain amount of insects that are in the food, but halachically not required to check. And the things you're not required to check, you can eat as is, and every god will eat that way. Maybe a big tzaddik would never eat the bug, but don't worry about it. If you're doing al piyalacha, there's no isa whatsoever. Okay? Thank you very much. Thank you much. so much. So we're, we have a minute left? Oh, we have a minute left. Okay. So what? Hello? Yeah, okay, you're on the air. Yes, um, thank you. Um, is it um, is it uh, Snyder's Buffalo, um, OUD or OUDE? I didn't hear what you said. What's the name of the company? Snyder's. Snyder's Buffalo? Snyder's what? And that's a flavor. Buffalo wings. A buffalo wings? Schneider's Buffalo wings? I don't know what that is. I mean, is it a package? It's it's. It's like a snack with pretzels. Uh, so I'm not familiar with that snack. Which hashkocha is it? It says OUD. So why do you want to know? If it's dairy? Um, because the kid says that it's, it's OUD. And so okay. I want to know. It's, so it's, you have to do this. If, if there's nothing on the package that says a dairy ingredient, you know, something that you know is dairy, then you could call the OU or tell your mother to do it, father to do it, or if you can email, you can do. If you can do that, if you do, if there's internet available for the family, then you could contact the OU on the internet and and, and they ask through the internet. But if you want the number, I'll give you the telephone number of the OU, and somebody can call up and find out. It's two one two. Yeah. Five. Oh, one second. Yeah. I know. One second. Five. Uh, blah, 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 blah. right now. So this is, I'm blanking out. I think it's. I think it's five six three four thousand. But if I'm wrong, call me at my office. I'll give you the number. If you leave a message tonight, and I'll, I'll call you back. Seven one eight three three six eight five four four. I think the telephone number for the OU is two one two five six three four thousand. I'm ninety percent sure that's right. But if it's wrong, you can call my number three three six eight five four four. Thank you very much for calling and for listening. And have a great week, all listeners. We'll be joining you again next week in Yitzhak.